I'd like you to have your Bibles open to Galatians chapter 6, please. Galatians 6. For those of us who are a little bit older, we remember a trumpet pair by the name of Louis Armstrong. Uh, his puffy cheeks and raspy voice were legendary. His signature song they played and, and sung a lot was What a Wonderful World. It was a favorite of Carol's father, my wife's father, so when Dad died, when they were showing uh, slides of his life, we uh, played that as background music. There's much about this world that is truly wonderful. The incredible beauty of God's awesome creation. Our kids for our anniversary, which was in August, gave us a special night at the Hotel McDonald, Thursday night. Now, that's not normally where I camp out. They put us on the eighth floor in uh, Lois Hole Suite. Wow. And we could look out on the river valley and uh, see the sky. It was truly a gorgeous sight. Uh, they paid for it, so that's okay with me. We have loving relationships that we prize very much. And there's art and there's music and so much more. But sadly, there's much about this world that is not beautiful. Wars and rioting and violence and family breakups and drug and alcohol abuse and all the consequences of the addictions that come. Rebellion against authority at all levels, uh, moral perversions, lies, deceit, rampant in our society, the countless manifestations of selfishness and greed, natural disasters, disease and death, and so much more. There is one virus that causes all the moral disease in the world, and that virus is called pride. This has been the case ever since Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did they so flagrantly violate the clear command of God not to eat from that tree when they had every other tree to eat from? Well, you know, the tempter came along and said, uh, you shall be like God, knowing good and evil if you partake of the fruit. It would seem to me that rather than trust God, rather than obey God, they wanted to be God. They wanted to be in control, make up their own rules, not have to answer to a higher authority. They thought, like countless people think today, that the pathway to happiness is to be God of your own little world. In actual fact, that's the pathway to ruin. But you know what? Their sin is our sin. Pride and selfishness and all the evil that flows from that has infected the entire human race and we are not exempt from it. John Piper says there's only one basic moral issue, how to overcome the relentless urge of the human heart to assert itself against the authority and grace of God. Isn't that the truth? 
That's where the battle rages in all of our lives. God's authority or mine, his will or mine. Now, there's no personal salvation unless we acknowledge our pride and rebellion and come humbly to the cross, repenting of our sin and seeking God's mercy. There's no other way, there's no other place to experience forgiveness from God and authentic joy and lasting peace. Paul described his pastoral ministry, his pastoral labors, in 2 Corinthians 1.24 like this. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. What a motivation for ministry to work with people for their joy. Paul's purpose was not to dominate. It was not to control. It was not to be the big stick. His purpose was to help people come to deep, lasting joy in Christ. The fundamental reason that we lack joy is that pride rises up in defiance of the will of God. But when we surrender fully to the Lord, the law of Christ begins to function. The law of Christ. That's the title of the message, and that's an expression found in in this text. The law of Christ is the law of love. Love for God, love for other people. And let's see how this law unfolds, should unfold in the life of the church. First of all, by seeking to restore a fallen brother or sister. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, wouldn't it be wonderful when we became Christians if we never sinned? Never had to be rebuked, never had to confess. Never brought out of the will of God. But if we're honest, that's not the truth. In fact, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, in other words, if we live in obedience to God, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of his son, Jesus his son, cleanses us from all sins. Fellowship with God, fellowship with people. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, if we say that we are not sinners, then we don't confess. And the next verse says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, no, God, I'm not a sinner anymore. God said, yes, you are. You just lied. And you just called me a liar. And I don't want to be guilty of calling God a liar. He's a lot bigger than I am. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. As long as we live in these mortal fleshly bodies, we will be tempted. We will be struggling with sin, and we saw that in Galatians chapter 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out or gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. 
So he says in Galatians 6, verse 1, if anyone is caught in a transgression, if any believer falls into sin, what should the attitude of the church be? (coughs) What should we do about that person? Are we to rant on them? Are we to write them off? Are we to callously condemn him and say, get out of here? Do we become rigid and self-righteous? No. We reach out. We practice the law of Christ. We love them. We deal with them firmly and truthfully because sin is sin. But we deal with them gently. Do all we can to bring them back into a right relationship with God and restore them to spiritual health. If they remain unrepentant, if they are adamant to continue in sin, and it is visible, obvious sin, if they harden their hearts, then ultimately they must be expelled from the church. But that's the last resort, and the goal remains restoration. A key passage when it comes to, to discipline in the church is Matthew chapter 18. If a brother sins against you, and you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. It doesn't say if a brother sins against you, get on your text messaging, get on your Twitter, get on your email and tell everybody. If a brother sins against you, you go to him and you don't blast them. You talk to them about what they have said, what they have done. If he listens, you've gained your brother. If he doesn't listen, oh, then you can tell everybody. No, 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 you can't. We do sometimes, but we shouldn't. If he doesn't listen, take one or two others with you, a couple of witnesses, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to that group of people, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, then he should be treated as a Gentile and tax collector, in other words, as an unbeliever, because he's not in any mood or frame of mind to obey the word of God. We may find, we may shudder at the prospect of going through this process. Uh, It's repulsive to us because it seems unloving and harsh. And that's why it is rarely done. But confrontation done in the right spirit with the right and proper goal is an expression of the law of Christ. It's an expression of love. Ignoring this ministry may be the easier road. But in reality, it's a sign of cowardice, compromise, and lack of concern. So if we genuinely care for others, we will follow this process. We will be willing to sacrifice our time and energy and comfort and all of our fears that we have, and we have them, to deal with this in a Christ-like manner. Now, let me clarify something. Paul is not saying, if somebody hurts your feelings, tell the church. Tell everybody, phone everybody, Twitter everybody, this person said this, they hurt my feelings. 
We all have our feelings hurt. It's part of the interaction we have with, with people. If somebody disagrees with us, they're going to disagree with us. So we all have differences of opinion. We'll all get hurt. But Paul is speaking about something very, very serious, very serious here. Not those things that happen in conversation and daily activity that, quote, hurt my feelings. Well, some will argue this is the responsibility of church leadership. Yes, it is. But it's the responsibility of the church. Brothers. Doesn't, he isn't talking just to the elders. He's talking to the church. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a fault. You who are spiritual. Oh, I'm excused. I'm not spiritual. Uh, I'm disqualified. I could never deal with this kind of an issue because it takes spiritual people to do this. It takes the super saints to deal with this. In the light of the context... The one who is spiritual is the one who walks by the Spirit, is living by the Spirit, is led by the Spirit, and possesses the fruit of the Spirit. And that should include every Christian. When the love of Christ dwells in our hearts, it will concern us greatly if another believer is floundering spiritually, emotionally, and morally. And when we see someone fall into a pattern of sin, which is becoming more obvious, we should pray diligently, not gossip, for them and ask the Lord to give us boldness and wisdom. The sin of a Christian should be kept in as small of a circle as possible. The goal of church discipline is not rejection, but restoration. You who are spiritual, restore such a one. The word restore was used in ancient times for mending nets. So they are useful. It was used of a doctor setting broken bones. So a person is healthy again. And there's no place for self-righteousness. In a spirit of gentleness... And we will have that spirit if we depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not to hammer them. We're not to heap condemnation on them. We're not to push their face in the mud. We're not to use the two-by-four approach. That does more harm than good. There should be no hint of self-righteousness. Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted see we have no reason for pride not any of us we have no basis to feel spiritually and morally superior to others first Corinthians 4 7 what do you have that you did not receive and if then you did receive it why do you boast as if you did not receive it any moral virtue we possess is because of God's grace not because we are good boys and girls. Any spiritual maturity that we have is because of God's grace. On a personal level, we must never become lenient to ourselves by playing fast and loose with biblical standards. 
Because when we live in disobedience to the word of God, we're hurt. We damage ourselves. We damage those who love us. We harm the reputation of the church and dishonor the name of Christ. Obedience to God, I don't care what the culture is teaching or doing, obedience to God never goes out of style. No way to help others carry their burdens. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There is the title for our message, the law of Christ. Now, church membership has lost its meaning in many churches. It's viewed as not being necessary or important. But personal commitment to ministry by the use of our gifts in the body is important. And sacrificial involvement in the lives of other people is important. And using our gifts to help the body grow is important. We have no example of any Christian in the New Testament functioning outside of a local church. Being part of a local church means we have a responsibility to help other people carry their burdens. And we all have burdens. You helped Carol and I. You are helping Carol and I carry the burden of ill, Ill health that I've experienced and our daughter has experienced over the last number of months. It's been tremendous, tremendous strength has come to us from that. We have burdens of health and family and finances and the death of loved ones. Our burdens come in many shapes and sizes in all levels of intensity. And if we have not experienced big burdens so far, we will. I guarantee you, they're coming. The word burden in verse 2 is different from the word load in verse 5. So we're to help other people carry their burdens, but we are to bear our own load. They're different words. The first word burden means an ordeal or hardship that is too large and too heavy for one person to carry. <coughs> That's where we need to help. But the second word load would, was referring to a soldier's backpack that he had to that he had the responsibility to carry himself. So we have loads and we have burdens. One of the many benefits of being part of a local church is that there are so many people available to assist us in dealing with the burdens of life. Whether we're struggling with some sin or we're dealing with a perplexing situation in life. Self-sufficiency is a myth. I don't need people is a statement of pride, not humility. If we take that approach, if we draw a little circle around ourselves and put up walls and keep everybody outside, we're saying, I don't need your help. I don't want your help. I'll just deal with this or keep this to myself. And that's bad. That's bad. The myth of self-sufficiency is not a mark of maturity, but a sign of pride. We are to rejoice with one another, and we are to weep with one another. And in order to weep with one another, we have to know what's going on. Not to stick our nose in people's business, but we need to feel the freedom 
to express the burdens that we have as, as I did when it came to recent surgery that I had. Many Christians never mature spiritually because they keep everything, everybody else at a distance. They shut themselves up to the ministry, the concerns, the love, the strength that can be provided to the body of Christ. They flounder spiritually because people might want to become involved, might even see what's happening and say, can I help? And the person says, no. They will not accept ministry. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't we accept ministry? What are we thinking when we say, I don't need your involvement, I don't need your help? Christians are not to isolate themselves. All of the analogies in the Bible of the church speak of a corporate life, a sheepfold, a building, an army, a body. And there are so many passages that deal with the one another aspect of our life as Christians. God placed us in the body of Christ to receive and give ministry. The burdens of life are many, they're heavy, they perplex us, and they're too complicated for us to deal with by ourselves. And I believe that God will sometimes bring us right to the end of ourselves so that we look to him and we reach out for others and we say, I need your prayers, I need your help. When the church functions in, in this manner, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. Then possessing and demonstrating a spirit of humility. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Paul is warning us against the danger of pride when we are involved in correcting and restoring a fallen brother. It may be necessary, but it, was, but it must never be done arrogantly. Let's not throw the baby out with the, with the bathwater here. Let's not refuse to involve in this awkward ministry of confrontation because we might do it wrongly. Church discipline is biblical. But there's a right way to do it, and the right way always involves humility and grace and patience and love. And the purpose is always to restore the one who is floundering. Do it in the spirit of gentleness. And we will avoid pride if we depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 3 makes it very clear that apart from God's grace, we are a moral zero. Bear one another's burdens. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Romans 7, 18. Now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. This is the great Apostle Paul. The greatest Christian who ever walked the face of the Lord says about himself, and he says this as a spiritual man, there dwells in me, in my flesh, no good thing. In my innate makeup, I have nothing good. Any good he had was God's grace. Christ said, apart from me, you can do nothing. 1 Corinthians 3, 7, neither he who plants or he who waters is anything. Only God who gives the growth. When we start giving credit to ourselves, once we start thinking that uh, we sort of have it and other people don't, we're going to cause division. We're going to cause harm within our own souls. 
John Piper says, as far as moral capacities are concerned, man without Christ can only say one thing honestly, I am nothing, God be merciful to me, a sinner. When God is merciful and Christ enters our life and enables us to love, we ought not to start talking about self-esteem, but Christ-esteem. Finally, examine yourself in the light of God's word. Verse 4, let each one test his own work, and then he is reason to boast will be found in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will have his load to bear. Aren't we glad that there are standards and there are examinations for everything, certainly if you apply for a job or in, in, in education? Uh, we are grateful for standards, for building codes and vehicles and all kinds of um, products, uh, medicines and foods. We have in Canada the CSA, Canadian Standards Association. And those who have a product, they, they get inspected to see if the product is safe for, for consumption by the public. In third world countries, they don't, they don't have this kind of, of protection and standards. And that's why buildings fall down and bridges fall down. There's a little tremble, an earthquake, and everything falls down. They don't have standards. God has set forth standards for proper behavior in his people. And what is going on in society, what is practiced by our culture, must never become the norm in the life of the Christian. The world accepts and the world practices many things that God forbids. Let each one examine his own work. Another translation, let everyone scrutinize his own conduct. The word examine means to test something to verify its value or condition. Now, word of caution, this is not promoting morbid introspection. Forever putting ourselves under a microscope and trying to determine any flaw we have in our character, this kind of activity is depressing. It is neither biblically sound nor emotionally healthy. Trust the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to enable you to see clearly what needs to be confessed and forsaken. Look at the fruit of the Spirit and then look at your own life and see what progress you are, you are making there. I think all of us should practice self-examination daily in prayer. We scrutinize our lives as we study the Bible. Is what we are doing approved by God? Does it conform to the teaching of the Bible? What about our motives? Are they for self or for God's glory? Now, this examination is not, is not for the purpose of, of becoming saved. We are saved by grace, not human merit. And if we have trusted Christ as Savior, our salvation is secure. This examination is for the purpose of discipline and improvement in our Christian life. And notice we are not to compare ourselves with others. Let each one test his own work, and then, and then his reason for boasting will be in himself and not in his neighbor. And I kind of scratched my head and saying, what, what is he talking about here? Well, the context is a fallen Christian. And we must be careful not to compare ourselves to that person. 
and say, oh, I'm better than they are. I haven't done that. I haven't violated God's law there. And so we give ourselves a pat in the back. We become self-righteous. But the standard of measurement is not a sinning brother or, Christ, or, or sister, not even a spiritual brother or sister. It is the law of Christ. That's the standard. Are we loving? Are we caring? Are we humble? Are we serving other people? Are we sacrificial? <coughs> and when we look at the law of Christ as our standard, it will humble us and give us a proper a perspective on life. Because none of us measures up to that standard. And we have every reason to be humble and no reason to be proud. We have much to confess. So pray for light on your own. Pray for, pray for God's light through the word to shine in your own spiritual condition. Read the word of God with an eye to how you can be more conformed to the image of Christ. Phil Newton says we are to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit pointing out sin in our lives. Our habits are or wrong attitudes. Not to excuse ourselves, but to confess and repent of these sins, to plea God's mercy in overcoming them. Now, it's much easier not to do this, but to point the finger at somebody else who, in our opinion, is really failing, especially failing us. But that's not helpful to them or to us, and it certainly doesn't glorify God. Let's not grow soft in this examination. Let's not rationalize forms of behavior attitudes which are contrary to Scripture. Let's pray that we will fulfill the law of Christ. At the same time, don't forget that our standing before God is never on the basis of our, our merit. It's on the basis of the merit of Jesus. As individuals, we are responsible for our own walk with Jesus. No one else can live the Christian life for you. No one else can attend church for you. No one else can help you grow. Not the pastor, not the church, not your parents. No one else can open the Bible every day and pray. You have to do that. No one else can worship on your behalf. You need to be here. No one else can obey Christ for you. You have to do that. No one else can confess sin for you. You need to do that. No one else can serve in the local church the way you can because you are gifted to serve. So we have a responsibility to ourselves and to the body of Christ and, of course, to God. Peter says, grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And ultimately, we bear our own load at the judgment seat of Christ. Isn't it interesting how often in life we keep judging other people and we become sort of the judge to judge them as to how they're, they're performing? And usually in our judgment, they are failing. When we stand before God, 
We will not give an account of the person we're judging. We'll give an account of ourselves. We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ ourselves. We will not say, well, Jesus, would you talk about, look, I've, I've not come here to talk about me, Jesus. I've come here to talk about them. No, Jesus says, I'm here to judge you, and I will judge them. So that thought may help us to get out of the minds that we have of judging one another. So the two main thoughts here are this. We are to help one another carry the burdens of life. Troubles, trials, temptations can overwhelm us. Let's be there for one another. As I know, many of you are in in this church. And if there's a need for confrontation, for rebuke, Let's do so gently, honestly, and for the purpose of restoring that person to walk faithfully with Jesus. Let's also be open to rebuke. Some of us are prepared to give it, but not receive it. And we are responsible to carry our own backpack. And God has given you various responsibilities in life. What part can you be playing in fulfilling the law of Christ in this church? What can you do to be caring for others? What support can you give to assist them to carry their load? I believe the place to start is prayer. And then be willing to let others help you. Please don't say, this is my struggle. This is my thing. This is my burden. I don't want to burden anybody. Don't go down that road. It will not help you deal with the burden. So today, may God help all of us to fulfill the law of Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your truth. And I trust there is something in what has been said that is helpful to each one of us here. You know the struggles we have with sin. You know the burdens we carry with, in relationships and uh, some of the tensions that may be there. And in our health and uh, the fears and anxieties that we have there. Uh, We need the love of other people. We don't need their condemnation. We don't need their judgment. We need their love and support and help. And we need your help. In Jesus' name, amen.